Two months ago, we had a day in which we called it Rekindling the Vision Sunday. And on that Sunday, we celebrated our 30th anniversary of our small group ministry. And it was a wonderful time of remembering and being challenged about the vision that God gave us back then for ministry. Two weeks from this morning, we are going to be introducing a several week long theme which will be entitled Rekindling Your Passion. And we as believers regularly need to have God stir us up about the matters of life that are most important and especially our relationship with Him. God is able to do great things if we allow Him to work. And so my message this morning is a preliminary message to lay some very important groundwork to the emphasis that we will be starting in a couple of weeks. On an autumn day, uh, well over two centuries ago, Ray Palmer met his friend Lowell Mason on a busy Boston street. Now Lowell Mason was a collector and publisher of hymns. And he asked Palmer if he had recently seen any good verse, uh, biblical uh, poetry or verse that could be set to music. Well, he thought for a moment, Palmer did, and then he pulled out a little book in which he had jotted down his own thoughts and poems, and he showed a particular poem he had written uh, that was a personal prayer. Uh, It was a couple of years uh, before he was a theology student in his early 20s, and he was a man with a great passion for God. And he showed Mason this poem, and uh, he told him that, On that early winter evening, he wept over the words that he had written. To to him, this was a sacred text conveying the craving of his life, uttering the deepest prayer of his life to God. And it was with hesitancy that he showed him what he considered a really sacred verse. Well, Mason read the lines and realized that the Lord definitely had moved in the heart of Palmer when he had written that. It was a sacred time between uh, Palmer and the Lord. And they went into a store together. The words were copied down, and, and Mason put that copy in his pocket. When he arrived home, as he studied the verses, he was so deeply touched uh, that he immediately set them to music. Two days later, the two men chance to meet again. And Mason said, Mr. Palmer, you may live many years and do many good things, but I think you will be best known to posterity as the author of My Faith Looks Up to Thee. And Mason was right. And one of the key verses of that wonderful hymn is, May thy rich grace impart strength to my fainting heart, my zeal inspire, as thou hast died for me. Oh, may my love to thee, pure, warm, and changeless be a living fire. Folks, God wants us to live in a fervent, real, genuine uh, relationship with Him that brings divine passion to our lives. It's a wonderful thing to know that we don't have to live a mundane Christian life. It's the most exciting life in all the world. It is the greatest privilege. It ought to thrill our hearts. We ought to be living with divine zeal in our lives. And that's going to be our heartbeat. 
but it comes through seeking the Lord. I've often read the quotes from C.H. Spurgeon regarding this matter of prayer and his desire for revival. He said, we have felt in our souls not that we may have revival, but that we must have it. There's that passion. We must draw near to the the angel and wrestle afresh with this determination that we will not let him go until he bless us. And then he goes on to say, if there be but a dozen men in this, my church, who have set their faces on revival, we shall surely have it. Of this my heart knows no doubt. A few years later, he writes this. I want you to listen closely. We have had a continual stream of revival. The cries of sinners have sounded in our ears. Every day we have seen souls converted. I was about to say almost every hour of the week these last 12 years since those earlier statements were made. Uh, And of late we have had a double portion. Folks, that's not for just a special group of people. The key to that ministry was the fact that he had praying people, hundreds of them, and every time he preached, there were 50 men under the pulpit. They had a downstairs there that were praying and pleading with God for the power of God to come. Folks, God wants us to have it. We may have it, but we must seek it. Please turn with me to a very familiar passage, but a very important one that I want to review today. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, known as the Upper Room Discourse. Here the Lord is pouring out His heart to these disciples just hours before He was going to be apprehended and then taken to the cross. We can not even begin to imagine the depth of suffering already that our Savior was going through. But He was preparing them for those days after He would ascend and after the Spirit of God would come. And He's telling them in this passage here that the potential they are going to have is going to far exceed what they had with him in their presence physically. For they were going to have him spiritually through the indwelling Spirit of God, and that was going to give a tremendous opportunity for each one of them, and frankly for all of us, to experience a great work. And so if you look with me as he concludes talking about the fact that they have known the Father through him, he then says in verse 12, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father." I remember some years ago, as I studied this passage, and we had a time, a week of prayer and fasting, where this passage was front and center in our prayer time. I remember when this exploded in my heart and mind, and I realized what the Lord was saying here. Now, as I've often said, just to think, to be able to do the works that Jesus Christ did when he was here on this earth is breathtaking in and of itself, isn't it? I mean, that's an amazing thing. But what he says, if you will believe, if you will trust me, if you will depend on me as you obey my words, you keep them, um, the works that I do, you're going to do also. You're going to continue on the ministry. Remember, the book of Acts is the continuing ministry of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through his people. And in 2022, we're still writing chapters of the book of Acts. But God wants the work 
of God through us individually and in the local church, which is his plan for this day, which is the body of Christ. He wants it to be on the level and to exceed the level of ministry that he had. And that's because he has won the victory. Look at the next phrase. If the first one isn't breathtaking enough, the second one is unbelievable. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. He's saying that because of the victory I'm going to win over Satan, Satan's head is going to be crushed according to the prophecy of Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Because of what God did through Jesus, God the Son did on that cross and rising from the dead and that great power of all of that and then seated at the right hand of the Father, we are now able to do greater works than Jesus Christ did because Satan is a defeated foe. Yes, he's still strong. Yes, he is still the God of this world. But my friends, we have the very indwelling presence, the Shekinah glory of God in our hearts. And the Spirit is one with the Son. And He is in full victory over principality, power, might, and dominion. And because of that victory, we can have great power in our lives to serve Him and to show forth His glory. Now, folks, I wouldn't believe it if He hadn't said it. But we have to believe it. See, we look at our own experience. We look at our own weakness. We look at our own pathetic attitudes. We look at just how we get caught in the, just all the pressures of life and think, oh, how could that be so? But friends, never impose your experience or the world upon the Word of God. Let your prism or perspective of life, your whole uh, grid of how you see things come from God's Word first. And when God says you can do greater works if you'll believe, He means it. Jesus said it. I believe it. But I'm telling you, you will never get a hold of that unless you follow the next two verses. This is where faith dependence comes from. Look at verse 13. 13 excuse me. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let's look at the meaning very quickly here of this promise. This promise is constant. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He means what He says. It wasn't just good in the first century, it's good in the 20 first century. God is going to answer our prayers. And uh, this isn't just promising for an occasional answer. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. And my friends, this promise is certain. Let me look at it, let's look at it again. And whatsoever Ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then he reemphasizes it, which is a very important interpretive perspective, and as he emphasizes it by restating and showing how much he wants them to get a hold of it. If ye shall ask anything 
in my name, I will do it. If words have any meaning, and Jesus Christ is the Almighty God, and He is, then we better get a hold of those verses. Because it is the key to unlocking greater works. It's the key to unlocking the passion that we all need. Folks, we can't rekindle our passion through emotionalism. We can't rekindle our passion uh, through getting all excited about some kind of cause that we're involved in. It is a supernatural passion given by the Spirit of God that comes through genuine Spirit-filled prayer. This promise, folks, is certain. Let me read from R.A. Torrey, who... As I studied his life, we had a, I gave a lecture to our college students a week ago, and we went down to Moody Church to see that historic uh, place. And, uh, and right from the beginning, the theme of that man's life was that God answers prayer. And he was a towering intellectual giant, but he did not let the skepticism of that day overcome the, the reality that God meant what he said. The idea in vogue today is that prayer does not mean that we are to get what we ask, but it is nevertheless good somehow. That is, we may not get our request, but we'll get something, something just as good as that for which we ask, and perhaps even better. It is no doubt true that many of us do not get what we pray for, for we pray foolishly and selfishly, and God often does not grant what we ask. It is good that He does not, for we would bring many troubles on ourselves if all our requests were granted. At the same time, however, we have to say that this view is not the doctrine of prayer taught in the Bible, nor, to be specific, is the doctrine of prayer taught here, speaking of this passage. The doctrine of prayer, according to the Bible, is that there are certain people who can pray in a certain way and who will get not merely some good thing or something just as good as what they ask or something even better than what they ask, but they will get the very thing that they ask for. It is the promise that if we will ask anything in the name of Jesus, they will have it. Now, folks, we got to get a hold of that. Because when you hedge in your mind and do not fully accept what the Bible says, that will deeply injure your prayer life. Folks, prayer is all about dependence. As we heard in the retreat this weekend, prayer is the opposite of pride. It is the essence of humility. If you do not pray, you are proud, period. If you can go through life without deep dependence upon God through prayer, then you are depending upon yourself. We heard two good messages on that which were very, very helpful but God means what he says. I'm going to read the two verses again. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Folks, people can come to a place in their life where they pray and see God work all the time. That's where we all need to seek to be. And of course, it pleases God, a verse that's so core, we all know it, Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now let's look at this. The merit for the promise. Here's where the rub comes many times. And whatsoever ye shall ask, say it with me, in my name. That was a little pathetic. I know it's Sunday morning. All right, let's try it again. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. Look at verse 14. If ye shall ask anything in my name. All right. Now, we end many of our prayers as we should in Jesus' name because of this. And that is the right reverential thing to do. It's theologically precise. However, we do it as a formula. It is, instead, we need to realize that this prayer is based on the merits of Christ's work in His name, which is speaking of in His authority. He broke the power of the powers of darkness. He won the victory. It is because He is seated at the right hand of the Father as the second Adam. He is ever living to make intercession for us. It is His authority, it is based upon His work that we are able to pray with confidence because He has already won the right to give that request and to go directly to the Father and the Father always says yes to the Son. <laughs> and we need to realize as Hebrews 7.25 says, He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know how many mornings that just means so much to me. He's praying for me right now. He's praying for all of us right now that we'll get a hold of this matter of prayer. But it's also based on our relationship to Christ. And this is, this is the key. We need to have the heart of Christ. We need to know the mind of Christ. We need to be walking with Him. We are praying not to get what we want. We're praying to get what He wants. It's based on His merit, but it's also based on His heart. Now what happens is when a believer fully gives his life to the Lord and begins to enjoy the fellowship with him and the Spirit of God begins to, to, to shape and work in that person's life and more and more they understand the Scripture and their motives and their values and their vision are becoming Christ's vision, then when they come to prayer, what they are praying is motivated by the Holy Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. That's what that means. The Spirit of God reveals Christ, reveals the very mind of Christ. And you pray knowing this is what Jesus wants. We are praying on His behalf. God has so fixed it in this life because we have a free will that we are free moral agents and He is depending upon us to pray to Him and exercise our will so that He then can accomplish His will both in us and through us. It's a great mystery, but that's the way it is. God has all power. He has no limitations. But I'm telling you, when you hit the nerve of this is what God's heart is, this is His passion, this is His will, this is what He's burdened about, I'm telling you, prayer becomes sweet, prayer becomes real. You know that God is working, and you know that you're going to see Him answer those prayers. That can only come as you really know the Scriptures and you yield to Him. But if you pray in His authority, if you pray in His perspective, if you pray in His heart, well then you're going to always have answers to prayer. 
I've often brought up my dear grandmother. She walked with the Lord. She knew how to pray. She knew, she knew her scriptures. Her Bibles were worn out. <laughs> and when she said, I loved it when she'd call and say, Wayne, we got it. What she meant was she, as she prayed, she realized this is what is the heart of God. And she claimed it and she knew it was real. I never saw her to fail <laughs> on that. Just a simple Alabama farm gal that, become a, that became a great Christian and marked generations now by her faith in the Lord. And all of us can have that. But folks, we just live so self-dependent. We are self-willed and we get ourselves in trouble. And uh, we don't earn the right for God to hear us. It's all based upon what Christ has done. It's based upon his finished work, Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need." You see, when you pour your heart out before God, when you say, Lord, whatever you show me in this scripture, whatever the Spirit of God prompts me to do, that's what I want to do. And I need you to continue to deal with me so that my life can line up with your life. Then what happens, folks, is you begin to see your heart cry answered in your life. The past hurts get healed. Your insecurity begins to be overcome and you have confidence in your position in Christ. That old sense of worthlessness goes away and you realize my worth is not me, it's in Him and I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Oh, the past shame is, is gone as you realize I'm a new creation. I, my sins are as far as the east is from the west. You have that wonderful relationship with the Lord and you realize that you are His beloved child. You get out of that performance acceptance mentality where you're trying to prove yourself and realize I can't prove myself, but I can do everything God wants me to do and I want to prove His greatness and everything changes. And right on down the line, all the different things that we battle in our lives. Addictions can be overcome. Aren't you glad? Oh, we could have testimonies right now. We could go all the way to the evening service with testimonies that God will deliver addictions. You know, one of the big ones in, in Milwaukee is the matter of the old bottle. Jesus can deliver you from that. You don't have to. The great uh, Canadian physician, Sir William Osler, was lecturing one day on alcohol. Is it true, asked the student, that alcohol makes people able to do things better? <laughs> No, replied Sir William, it just makes them less ashamed of doing things badly. <laughs> and, uh, but honestly, one of us know that. But whatever the addiction may be, God answers. Now, why did I bring up all of that? When you begin to see God fulfilling His Word as you cry out for Him, as you begin to experience God's grace as you humble yourself, as you begin to step out by faith and do exactly what He says, your life is transformed. You become free. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer in the prison house of self. Your heart begins to be warmed with the love of Christ. Listen, when God transforms your life, you know He's going to answer your prayer because you have a real, vital relationship with Him. 
Friends, we cannot conjure up humanly emotion to be, have a passion for God. It comes by God's own passion being lived out in us. And God changes us. The method of the promise, it's living the reality, as I've already said, of the Christ life. To pray as He would pray and for what He would desire. You see, we... Pray so that we can consume it on our own lusts, as James chapter 4 says. Kuiper says, to pray in the name of Christ is a serious matter, not to be taken lightly. We ask for many things without regard for our Lord because we would please ourselves instead of Him. Haven't you had that deadness in your soul when you've been praying and you realize, I'm not getting anywhere? It's not because God doesn't answer prayer. But you don't have the heart of the Lord. You haven't taken time to get a hold of His heart. You haven't let the Word of God change your mind. And God's good. He'll give us daily bread. He will meet our needs. He hears our cry. He's so good to us. He's just like a loving father with immature children growing up. He wants to please them. But when it comes to praying and interceding and praying for things that really matter uh, the key is to get out of the self-life by the miraculous grace of God. And that's where God can work. It's, here's one. Ever pray for lost loved ones? What's your motive? A lot of times it's so things will go better for you. Instead of having a broken heart for them and want Jesus to have them because he died for them. There's a difference. Is it right to pray that people will be saved? Yes, it's not His will that any should be lost. He wants all to be saved. But our motive can really hold us back. Why do we want financial issues solved? And so on. Why do we even want victory in our lives? So we feel good? Or so that we can honor the Lord? You see, when you take time with Him, your whole motive, your whole perspective on life changes. It's transformed. And you begin to get His heart and you begin to want to have His will done. So we need to be praying with the heart of Jesus Christ Himself. Stories told of a king who desired to know how much his three daughters loved him. The first two declared they loved him more than all the gold and silver in the world. The third said, I love you better than salt. Now the king wasn't exactly elated about that and attributed his youngest daughter's reply to her immaturity. The cook overhearing it left salt out of the king's breakfast. Then all of a sudden he realized what she was saying. I love you so much that nothing is good without you. <laughs> Do we really believe that? Do you believe that one minute of life without being yielded to the Lord and His empowering and being filled with the Spirit, do you believe that one minute of life outside of that is really worth living? I think we do. In fact, I think sometimes we choose to do some things we know are not the best because we want to do them. That's why prayer begins to diminish. That's why prayer gets hollow. It has got to come out of the desire to have the heart of Christ know Him and walk with Him more than anything else. And so the, the motive that's central to this promise is found here in verse 13 again. And whatsoever ye shall ask, anything ye shall ask in my authority, for my will, in, my, in relationship with me, that will I do. Why? 
that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The motive that ought to be front and center to our prayer life is that God be glorified. Because He deserves it. And glorified through His Son being glorified by being able to live a powerful life. Now it's a very shocking thing as again quoting from C.H. Spurgeon, you can be omnipotent if you know how to pray. Omnipotent in all things which glorify God. You see, God wants to give us power. God wants to deliver. God wants to do great things. But it's got to be for His glory to show forth who He is because that's the only hope this world has. Listen, God would give us far more power if we had that kind of heart. And that kind of heart can only come through prayer. You see, prayer is not just asking. Prayer is fellowshipping. Prayer is listening. Prayer is opening our heart. Prayer is developing a oneness with God where nothing is more important than the one that loves us so much is glorified. And I tell you what, when we have a heart to glorify the Son, the Father is really happy. And so Christ's desire is always a glorification of the Father. John 17, 4, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And so the believer's desire should be the glorification of the Father by his power. Now I'm going to take the last few minutes here and do a review. For many of you, this has been, you've seen this a number of times. But I want to give you the different categories of spending an hour with God. Now friends, I know we live in a busy day. We live in a demanding world. But there's a lot of things we can do in our life that can free up extended time with God. Oh, that heart cry of the Lord to his disciples, Peter, James, and John, could you not watch with me one hour? Couldn't you do that? And I wonder if that is not the heart cry. Can't you put that technology aside? Can't you put all that busyness aside? Which is really all self-dependence and self-life. Can't you put a portion of the things that you're doing aside and do that which is most important? Just think, God's willing to listen to us. God's willing to listen to every prayer. God is willing to make our lives have eternal significance. And yet we play with the toys of life. And even the responsibilities that are legitimate, we get overpowered because we aren't spending time with God and having our hearts stirred that God will give us wisdom, direction, and help us. The best thing you can do to get things done is to start your day with an extended time with God. He will give you direction. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you rest in the soul. He'll give you confidence that he's going to work. He will give you a spring in your step. And you may not feel the best. And you may be going through trials. But when you know that you're walking with God, everything changes. When you, when you come face to face with him spiritually, folks, your whole life has a different perspective. And so what we do here, we have journals that lay this out. But I just want you to see why we have these different 10 points for an hour. Because remember I said, 
To be able to pray with petitions, and you know it's always going to be answered, you've got to pray in His name. In His name. How do you pray in His name? By knowing His authority and by knowing His heart because you are spending time to meditate, to fellowship, to revel, to let Him speak to you. So that when you get to those key times of saying, Lord, this is what I know that you want and I'm asking you to do it and I'm agreeing with you and I'm believing and I'm expecting that you're going to do it. You're, you will know, believe me, at that time that the Spirit of God's led you to pray that way. And that's when great things get done. That's when high, hard places get broken through. That's when walls come down. And I'm telling it's just thrilling. All of a sudden you start seeing here, then there, and you start seeing answers to prayer. So we just suggest, based upon the Lord's Prayer, to spend five minutes of worship and praise, going over the attributes of God, glory in God and His unique greatness. Oh, just revel in who He is. I can't tell you how many times my heart, they're showing you up there, all, we have in our booklet there, all the different attributes of God, and to go over those uh, it's, it's always one attribute. God will just go right to the quick and just meet such a need. So, folks, we serve a great God. What, why do we worry? God's in us. We have his word. We know what his will is. He's wanting to accomplish his purpose. And even in the hardest of times, he is with us. And, he is, and he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Folks, we ought to be rejoicing throughout the day, but we don't spend time with him. Oh, to, to, to worship Him. The second is waiting on God, another five minutes. Focus on your relationship with God through the persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yield to Him in this hour of prayer and expect to meet with Him. It's a precious thing to think of what the Father does for us. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, to whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He lifts us up. He prunes us. When the trials come, rejoice. I've got a Father I can trust completely. Oh, the Son, I've already quoted from Hebrews there. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's able to meet our needs. And uh, He is interceding for us. And He... he is working in our lives. He is sitting, sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting to make requests as we come to Him through the power of the Spirit. And then, oh, the Spirit of God, meditate on the fact that He, he communes with us, convicts, He convinces, gives us power. He reveals him, uh, Christ and the Father to us. He gives us His Word. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to realize all that we have as He fills us. I'm telling you, that five minutes is a glorious time. You spend 10 minutes, folks, and you begin to realize what a God we have. And by the way, it never gets old. You don't do it perfunctorily. You ask the Spirit of God to work. There is nothing, there is nothing like getting a hold of who your God is. You've got to remind yourself we're human. The third thing is confession of sin. Allow God to convict us of sin specifically and receive the full cleansing, thus allowing yourself into His presence. You say, why don't you start with confession of sin? Well, you won't even know how to confess when you, until you let God work in your heart. Give Him 10 minutes to show how good He is. He'll love on you. 
he'll show you who he is. And then you, you'll want to, like when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up uh, as he fell before the Lord, I, woe is me. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, and the Holy Spirit, as Ironside says, uh, will cause us to be very sensitive uh, to all of these different things. I won't read that entire quote. but uh, And there's some... Uh, ideas there that we have in the booklet that helps to just cover the matter of sin. By the way, does God forgive sin? If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. Listen, go into the day right with God. Don't have that thing on your conscience. Man, I'm telling you, just pour out your heart to God. It's wonderful. Freedom comes. And it's real easy when you have spent 10 minutes to let the Holy Spirit really reveal what a great God you have. And then spiritual warfare. We live in a battle, but we have a defeated foe. And the great verses, I can't go over them right now, but he is defeated. And uh, if we will submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, he will flee from us. And during this time, you take your stand, and there's some tremendous material there that really helps you get a hold of the promises of God. And so by the time you finish the first 20 minutes, you're focused on God. You understand you're free from from uh, the sin division between you and God, you're forgiven, and you can claim the victory over the evil one for your life, your family, your ministry, uh, for this community and other things that you're burdened about. And then the matter of claiming the promises of God. These will continue to add up as God begins to work in your heart. He's going to give you truth. He's going to give you promises. You go over those. You make your own list I tell you, a couple of promises this morning just stirred me deeply again. He's going to do it. He said so. Man, you just want to shout. And now, if I just read those promises cold, it'd be one thing. But having already 20 minutes of just letting God deal with me, you really do get uh, thrilled about what God has said. Then the next uh, five minutes, or the uh, I'm sorry, the next 10 minutes, or the matter of. Uh, uh, intercession and petitions. And here, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Your needs, people that you're burdened for, he's promised to meet our needs. And you'll find in 10 minutes, you can pray for far more than you ever thought when the Holy Spirit's inspiring you. And you, ha if you develop careful lists and really, and we have all different kind of categories and you can frankly memorize those categories, pray for your top 10. We've been seeing things happen uh, in that regard in our lives and God just works and, uh, and, and God gives you that, that whole perspective that you need and you can claim these verses and you can come out of there with some real confidence that God is going to work. And then you have the matter of thanksgiving. Thank the Lord that he's going to do it. Thank the Lord for who he is. Thank the Lord for what he did for you yesterday. Thank the Lord for the trials that you're going through. Praise him that way and, and have a heart. I like to go through every part of the day before. I like to not forget one little thing. You know, it was mentioned by Pastor Van uh, from the time that our second service ended until we had the third service on Saturday, uh, everything, it was raining before, it went to blue skies, and it was beautiful for three hours. We come out of the final service, it was raining again. <laughs> now that's something to praise God for. That was really neat because it wasn't supposed to do that. You know, he loves just to bless us. Now, even a softball game, he's glad to, to let us uh, to have. You know, he's just a wonderful, loving God. 
He's personally involved in our lives. Thank him for those things. Just the small little things and the big things. And praise him for that. And then uh, five min- uh, ten minutes of meditation and discovery. Don't have time to get into this is when you let God speak to you. You take a portion of the scripture that you're reading. You write down verses just like you do in your Bible studies. You rewrite the verse. You just let God work and you put down in the next section an I will statement. And this is where you start making steps forward in your Christian life. Then listening. That's uh, five minutes let God show you steps to take to obey his word. How will I complete this I will statement? Who can I share this with? Lord, what do I do about this? I've had more wisdom given, more direction in that five little minute, five minutes. It's amazing. In fact, God's given me a full outline for messages in five minutes. It probably sounded like it. But anyway, uh, no, when he gave it, it was, it was good. Uh, but uh, it's, it's just amazing what can happen. And then praise and singing. Praise God again for who he is. And then just sing. God gave us music. Uh, and, and so this is just a little outline that we gave. But why did I give that? I wanted you to get this. Prayer is more than just the asking. The word pray means to ask. But prayer biblically, as the Lord gave it to us in the Lord's Prayer, is to get to know God. To come into his presence to let your soul connect because the Spirit of God is there and He will bring you into a conscious uh, awareness of that. Don't look for emotions. Sometimes you'll have them, sometimes you don't. That's not, we're talking spiritual here. God will make truth real. He'll give direction. He will, he will answer questions. It will be a time in which you have been in the presence of Almighty God. And out of that will come, if you shall ask anything In my name, what does he say? I will do it. I will do it. And you come out of that saying, God's working. I may not see what's happening, but I know God's working. And there's a rest to your soul. Did you know Christians can live with spiritual rest day after day, even in the midst of horrific problems, because they met with the God of the universe. Friends, we're going to talk about rekindling a passion for a number of things. But it won't happen, won't happen unless we meet with God. Let's bow for prayer.